Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And hello, St. Louis and surrounding areas. You are not listening to another edition of the Dollars and Cents Show. No, just the guy, the voice of that particular show is here. By the way, Dollars and Cents will be on this Sunday. But for now, the guy who hosts it, that would be me, Dave Simons. Yes, by day, I am a certified financial planner, a wealth manager. But that that pays the bills, turns on the lights, Supports my wife's expensive spending habits. All that good stuff. That's the day job. Occasionally, they let me out in the evening. I can spread my wings a little bit and get to be part of a rotating set of hosts on At Your Service. So glad to be here. My name is Dave Simons, a certified financial planner within the uh, uh, UBS Financial Services, located within the friendly confines of what really is the largest financial firm by assets in the world, UBS. Uh, but here locally, I head up a, um, a team of that name uh, known as the Simons Cordes Wealth Management Group. But like I said, that's the day job. We're not going to worry about that. Although, we cannot help but to discuss some issues related to finance, stock market, economic issues, how could we not? Especially after we saw what happened today. I mean, the global financial markets. There is one part of the market that had the biggest turnaround I've ever seen in my nearly 30 years experience in the financial markets as as a money manager. And I'm going to talk about that, but let's kind of set the stage a little bit first. The world's worst kept secret finally occurred today, as you all know. It's been very obvious based on all the military intelligence that we've been getting now for weeks. And apparently, and I I heard this report on the radio on a network where they got wind of this, and by they, I mean the Biden administration, that Putin was starting to gather his troops on the Ukraine border way back in the fall, like in October, November. And if you recall, in the fall, President Biden traveled over to meet with the Pope. And I think, gosh, when was that? Uh, A little bit before Thanksgiving, I believe, early November, if I remember right. And this just came out, according to the New York Times. He took that trip as um, 
as an excuse as well to pull aside some of the other leaders of G7 countries to say our intelligence shows that Putin could be on the move. Now, the rest of the world, those of us here in the U.S. in particular, we, we certainly didn't know anything about that until earlier this year as word started to leak out. So the stage had been set here for a little bit. So the inevitable question is that we're all asking, what now? I mean, what happens next? Is this thing over in no time and Putin goes in and the current Ukrainian government collapses and Putin puts in a little puppet government there and it's over? Or do the Ukrainians really put up a fight and the Russians, who would prefer not to expend all of their military energy into this, have to ramp it up a little bit and say, man, these guys are pushing back. Okay, let's send in more. Let's get let's get serious about this. And it really morphs into something more serious and more ominous. I don't know. Either way, assuming that Putin gets what he wants in Ukraine one way or the other, or however long it takes, what after that? Is he satisfied with only Ukraine? Poland, anyone? Romania? Hungary? Slovakia? All of the former Soviet bloc countries that were part of Mother Russia, the old USSR. There is no question that old-time Russians, especially those in the KGB, long for those days. They pine for them. They love the fact that they were once one of the two major superpowers, the United States of America and the USSR. And it's been very emasculating for a lot of those guys to say that they're they're not one of the world players anymore. And this is a way to get the world's attention. So at this point, I think, and I'm no expert, of course, in military affairs, especially in global issues like this, but just based on the folks who are experts and really doing a lot of research and listening to a lot of people over the last couple of days or so, the odds of Putin then turning this into World War III and really going in and invading a lot of other countries is really small right now, but it's not zero. So that's something that the world is going to have to keep an eye on. At this point, there are no plans, zero plans of the U.S. sending in our own troops on the ground to push back the Soviets out of Ukraine. That's not going to happen. But what if those Odds that are very, very small right now get bigger. And military intelligence shows that Putin is now massing his troops on other borders a little farther west. Now what happens to the U.S. military? Well, then on my, where I am an expert in on the financial matters, all of a sudden we have to start revamping portfolios and getting more defensive in certain areas. At this time, however, we don't feel the need to do this. You know, there's a real bewilderment I've kind of picked up on by a lot of the average Americans as they look at this thing and they go, why why would Putin do this? I mean, the sanctions that the world is going to put on him will crimp that economy. And I think that we tend to look at things uh, through Western eyes, we're very myopic that way, and we, we are confused. It's like, well, we have liberty here. We have freedom. A democratic republic. Doesn't everybody want that? I mean, it's in our DNA. We don't even think about it. We get up in the morning, we just go about in our free life and do what we want and go to work and 
love on our families and do all that. And it never even dawns on us that the rest of the world or some of the rest of the world might live differently and don't have those same freedoms. And we just assume that everybody does. And frankly, that has gotten us into some trouble as we think we can export U.S. democracy into other countries. And we're very confused when it doesn't take. And a lot of countries push back. In the case of Russia, it's a little different where you pick up on the fact that that citizens generally in a place like that do want those freedoms, but they still don't have much power. They have more power than they did 30-plus years ago, but it's still a restrictive government. And you can't necessarily go out on the street corners and talk about how horrible of a human being Vladimir Putin is and not expect to be beaten or jailed for that. It does happen. So what Putin really wants, absolutely wants, is a return to Russian dominance in some way. And he wants the attention of the world, and most of all, he wants respect. These kinds of men, it's hard to connect to because most human beings are not built like that. They aren't. They're not built to think in such cold terms as a man like Vladimir Putin. So we can't connect to it. And we don't understand why he would put tens of thousands of innocent lives in the face of this. He doesn't care. It's to preserve his own power, obviously. Democracy and freedom, they are threats to a guy like that. Also, the biggest threat, frankly, is a Ukraine that becomes more Western. And that, at the end of the day, is probably the biggest threat to him. Right on his border. There's Ukraine perhaps could someday be a member of NATO right there. And then it's game over for somebody like Putin, and he is making all the excuses in the world of why he needed to go in and take over. So that's where things stand. Now, of course, my expertise gets more over on the market side, and it was one of the more incredible days that I have seen in my 28 years of managing money. And I want to explore that when we come back after this first break and take a look at what happened. And a little funny aside in that, I don't know about funny, but an interesting aside, as I take you internally into a discussion that members of the Simons-Cortis group had this morning when the market was near its low. Um, It's kind of interesting. So we'll discuss that and bring it on home of why and how all of this may impact our own investment portfolios, our own economic situation, inflation, and all that. So stay with us. My name is Dave Simons, filling in tonight for At Your Service. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher Online Shop stage 
to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all star. Shopify powers 10% of all e commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award winning 24 7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. All right, it is 8:21 in St. Louis. Dave Simon, your guest host tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in, KMOX, and uh, specifically the show tonight. Always much appreciated. All right, there's an old saying in the world of investing buy the rumor, sell the news. Buy the rumor, sell the news. And it's uncanny how often that works. Let me give you an example. A company. The rumors are that this company is developing a new product or two, and it, and it could do very, very well. And the Wall Street Journal is starting to report on it, and it's being picked up by other financial news organizations, and the stock starts moving based on the rumors of this. The company itself, eh, kind of being a little quiet about it, not really wanting to talk about it. And a few months later, at some big unveiling, there it is, the new whatever, the new. Phone that has all these extra gadgets, all right? And then when they unveil it, the stock actually goes down. And it's confounding to investors. They don't get it. They, they look at it and go, wait a minute, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. This is the new technology. It's going to set the, the world of communication totally on its head. And the stock went down. And I say, yeah, but go back and look at what the stock did the prior three months. It went up, let's say, 40%. Buy the rumor, sell the news. So people who were buying early on in the indications that something big was going to happen, they say, thank you very much. It worked out just like I thought. I'm taking my profit now that the announcement's been made and move on to something else. I mean, this thing happens all the time. We especially see it during earnings season, where a company might have blowout earnings, beats all expectations, and again, it confounds investors when it, that stock might actually fall the day on record earnings announcement. Go back and look at the previous weeks and months of that stock. Chances are 
it had done exceedingly well because people were buying on the rumor that earnings were going to be very strong. Well, the same thing sort of happened today, but kind of in reverse. People were selling the rumor in recent weeks and months and buying the news. And it wasn't a specific stock, of course. It was, in general, global financial markets and the connection to a possible Russian invasion of Ukraine. Markets have been very weak, if you didn't know that, year to date. A lot of it based on inflation scares, no question. Some of it based on the Fed seeming to be behind on addressing inflation, and there are concerns there. But more recently, in recent days, the last week or two, it has shifted, that concern has shifted over to the Ukraine-Russia situation. So the rumors are, and they were, (laughs) I guess they were rumors, but it did seem inevitable that this was going to happen. So the market is a wonderfully discounted mechanism. And by that, what I mean is it takes what it thinks is going to happen. It takes what it thinks is going to be true. And it adjusts today, ahead of time. So when the adjustment actually happens, the market says, I'm right. Sometimes it's wrong. And then it has to adjust in a different direction. In this case, the market and investors in particular were right. So let me take you kind of behind the scenes a little bit. And for those of you who know me, you've listened to the show a long time, or you get my newsletter that I send out every Friday, you know that... Um, I like to, uh, we don't pat ourselves on the back. I feel very uncomfortable with that. I'm the least egotistical guy in the world. So take this with a grain of salt. I'm just having fun with this. Early this morning when the market was falling 500, 600, 800 and, and below, I think it was down 859 at one point. I texted my team members. We were working from home today because of uh, some of the icy conditions. And I said, this, is, this marks the low. This is it. This is the end of the correction right here. Um, I think it's over. I think this is a sell the rumor, buy the news situation. And I think we're going to see a little bit of a turnaround here today. And we, we may look back and, and say that Thursday morning, that was it. That was the correction. Another one of my team members chimed in and said, kind of, I'll do you one better. It wouldn't surprise me that the market actually finishes higher today. And even I was a little skeptical of that. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. The Dow's down 800 points. I mean, that would be some kind of a turnaround. (laughs) Well, it happened. The Dow Jones Industrial Average did about a 950-point turnaround. Even though I thought this is the low, I still was not expecting it to finish in the green, and it did. And it was up. So I give Brandon a lot of credit for that little cheeky call he made. Uh, But it was the NASDAQ. There are three main benchmarks for the U.S. stock market. There's the Dow Jones Industrial Average. That's the one that you see quoted the most. What did the the market do? Oh, it was down 800 points. Well, the market wasn't down 800 points. An index was. It's the Dow Jones Industrial Average. That's the one that's most widely quoted. Then there's the S&P 500, which is actually a better barometer of the overall stock market. The Dow only has 30 stocks. The S&P has 500. Then there's the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ has, uh, there's the NASDAQ 100, which is very aggressive. But the NASDAQ itself 
is really the gathering place for more of your new era, high-tech, growth-oriented companies. The NASDAQ was first formed in 1971, and most of your upstart tech companies, biotech, things like that, even financial tech, they tend to gravitate more toward the NASDAQ index, the NASDAQ exchange, actually. And the NASDAQ is more volatile. Well, folks, I don't think I've ever seen a turnaround of any index. I just told you about the Dow turning around 950 points, which is, even on a percentage basis, is a huge turnaround. It's a it's a 3% roughly. The NASDAQ today hit a low of 12,587. It finished up 13,473 on a percentage basis. Get this. That's like the Dow moving up 2,500 points. Now you can put in perspective what the NASDAQ did today. Can you imagine the Dow in today's environment, where it, where it is today, moving up about 2,500 points? It's never happened. But it did in the NASDAQ today. That is the kind of turnaround that was really unprecedented, and it unfolded before our eyes Buy the rumor, sell the news. Now, in this case, it had been sell the rumor, selling stocks, and buying the news. Now, I said I was a little cheeky with this. I'm having fun with it. To get serious for a second, I have no idea if the stock market is going to go back down again and test the lows that we were reached today. It wouldn't surprise me to usually declare that a bear market is over. A lot of times, the market has to go back and retest a recent low. That could happen over the next days and weeks. I, I have no idea. But I, but I feel more comfortable and confident in saying this. I believe the majority of the correction that we've seen so far in 2022 is behind us. We still might see some more decline. Absolutely. Especially as we get closer to the Fed's announcement of raising rates in March. But I believe that the majority of it is behind us. And maybe all of it. Maybe we will look back and say as I kind of half-jokingly and half-seriously told my colleagues today, I think this is the bottom. Um, we shall see. The NASDAQ, by the way, is was in, before the big turnaround, in official bear market territory. I want to define what a bear market is. There's a lot of confusion. Are we in a bear market? Is this just a correction? Is this a minor pullback? We need to know those definitions because they're thrown around a lot. And we need to know that because when we look at our own portfolio, do we need to make adjustments based on the fact that we're in a bear market or not? So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about bubbles, market bubbles. Have we been in a market bubble? Are we in one now? If we were, is it popped and over? It's a very serious discussion. It's needed now for all of us. I want to talk about that also uh, when we come back, and then we'll we'll turn our attention to some other financial-related uh, things as well. So stay with it. It's eight, uh, uh, it's 8.30 here in St. Louis. Dave Simons, your host tonight. We'll be back. I can't believe that you're playing this song as the bumper music, and I'll tell you why. So as I told the story, I don't know, a couple of months ago, one of the things that I started during the pandemic... Uh, I would say it's a midlife crisis, but as someone who's about to turn 60, I don't even, is that, am I midlife anymore? Am I past that? I don't even want to think about that. But anyway, one of the things that I decided to, to do that I always wanted to do since I was a kid was play the guitar. So I literally, I picked up an acoustic guitar 
And here we are two years later, and I'm addicted to it. And I, it's, I'm self-taught, which I couldn't have done earlier in life, of course, because there was no such thing as YouTube or the Internet. But this song by Nickelback, that's the song I'm working on right there. And because I'm not a gifted player, it's taken me a long time, but I'm getting it, and I love it. Anyway, just as an aside, that's really bizarre that that song came up. All right, back to the task at hand. And by the way, more seriously, before we get to the financial discussion, I do want to give you a little bit of a heads up of what we'll be talking about in the second hour. Uh, Carol Daniel had an interview with a gentleman by the name of Mark Schmitz. Mark Schmitz is the father of Marine Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz. Uh, out of Wentzville. And if that name rings a bell, it should. He was tragically one of the 13 U.S. servicemen who were killed um, trying to get people out of the Kabul airport in Afghanistan back in late August. And uh, I'm going to play an eight and a half minute clip of that interview. I, I think it's riveting. And you can just hear not just the sadness in Mr. Schmidt's voice that he lost his 20-year-old son, who, by the way, would have turned 21 tomorrow. But it's the frustration, frustration that it even happened. And taking some folks to task, tomorrow at noon, the full 30-minute interview will be played. I'll give you more details in the 9 o'clock hour. All right, uh, but I'll play about an 8.5-minute clip of that uh, in the 9 o'clock hour tonight. So uh, back to the discussion of financial markets, the stock market, bear market correction, all that. What is the real definition? Well, the technical definition is when the stock market drops 10%. So just as we hit the first double-digit number, that usually defines a correction. I've never really bought that. To me, if the market's down 6%, okay, we're in a little bit of a correction. So I don't wait for 10%. But I'm a little bit more careful using the term bear market because that has a little bit more punch, tends to scare investors a little bit more. It is a bit more ominous. And so I usually wait until we get to the definition of a bear market, which historically has been defined by a 20% or more decline in a broad benchmark like the Dow or the S&P 500. So where are we today? Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to go to the low of today. When the market hit its nadir today, early this morning, when the Dow was down 859 points and the NASDAQ was crashing and burning, the SP, all that, at that moment, at its low, the NASDAQ had dropped from its high of a couple months ago 22.4%. Bingo! The NASDAQ today, my friends, officially hit a bear market definition. Now, it closed the day down for the, uh, since it's high, about 18, 19%. So as of right now, it's no longer in bear market territory. I, but I don't get lost in that. I just, the NASDAQ's in a bear market, okay? The S&P 500, the best barometer of the U.S. stock market, at its low today was off 14.6. So it's kind of in between that defined correction and a full-fledged bear market. The Dow hasn't dropped as much. At its low this morning, the Dow from its all-time high had dropped 12.7%. So, oh, by the way, I I wanted to get through this because we've been talking about Russia. Get this. The Russian index stock market dropped 19% today. 19%. In one day, 
For those of you who have been around the block a little bit, you may remember Black Monday, October 19th, 1987, the biggest one-day crash in the history of the U.S. stock market. The Dow Jones Industrial Average that day fell 22%. Russia had almost its own version of, in this case, Black Thursday. So it's interesting. Their own country did the invading, and their own stock market got absolutely whacked. But it had already been declining ahead of that. The Russian stock market from its all-time high last October is down 59%. Ooh, 59%. That's not one stock. That's the Russian stock market. Ouch. So back home, is this U.S. stock market in a bubble? I'm telling you, there, there is a cottage industry of calling bubbles. You could have a stock of all companies or rather all market strategists calling bubbles. We'll just call it the, the bubble ETF or something. And it will have done very well. If that goes up in price every time somebody mentions bubble, well, we're all getting rich. It really came out of the 2000s when we had back-to-back horrible bear markets, when the Internet bubble burst in 2002, and then the real estate bubble burst about five years later. Back-to-back, really bad bubbles that burst. First one was uh, the stock market. The second one was real estate, which then bled into the stock market. So people have scars from those days who were still around. And so when they hear the term bubble, uh uh-oh, I can't do that again. I don't want to live through that again. Maybe I should sell stocks. So we have to ask ourselves then, well, are we in a bubble? And my answer has been, even before today, even before the last couple of weeks, the answer is, yeah, sort of. Maybe, kind of. The broader market, in my opinion, the S&P 500, the Dow, that has not been in a bubble, even at its all-time high. You could argue that it was a little bit overvalued, not a pure bubble, not like we saw 20-some years ago. But segments of it, certain neighborhoods of Wall Street, were living in bubblicious times, three areas in particular. Stay-at-home stocks, and by stay-at-home we mean the companies that had all of a sudden seen their business explode when the pandemic started. That would be companies and stocks like Peloton, Zoom, uh, Pinterest, Roku, All of these stocks soared. You take something like Peloton, which kind of took 10 years of future earnings, 10 years of future growth, and brought it all back into about 18 months. So the stock soared, and it's something that I never got. I talked about it on this show even when the stock was soaring. I'm like, folks, I don't get into individual stocks, and I'm not going to tell people what to do in terms of buy, sell, or hold, but just be careful with some of these stay-at-home stocks because the market is bidding these prices up as if this growth rate in the pandemic has become the new normal for them, and that's impossible. You're going to see the inevitable pullback in earnings when people start getting out of the house again, and that's exactly what happened. Peloton stock is down over 75%. You heard that right. It's down more than three quarters. It's amazing. Zoom down more than 80%. And that's a good company. We all have used Zoom. But it got way ahead of itself. So there was one bubble. That has popped, as I just alluded to, 
by quoting how far down those stocks have dropped. The second is the IPO market. Initial public offerings, new companies that came out with a lot of hype last year, Robinhood, the app, especially the younger generation uses to buy and trade stocks and even crypto. Rivian, the electric truck maker, went public. Oatly, not even a technology company. You'll go to the grocery store and you'll see Oatly milk, right? Very healthy, very green. That came public. Those three stocks that I just mentioned, absolutely whacked. Robinhood, Rivian, Oatly. That was another bubble area, the IPO market. And lastly, SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies. Very technical. I don't have time to get into what they are, but that was another bubble. Those three things have popped. The average SPAC is down 50% and more. So the broader market, the S&P, the Dow, I have not believed was in a bubble. I don't worry about that. We are still modestly bullish going forward for the broader market, but we have been really bearish on those three aforementioned areas. Maybe there, it is time to start kicking the carcass on some of those positions, and maybe it's time that you can start slowly nibbling at them. But this is the first time that I've gotten somewhat interested in those three because they have just absolutely been devastated. So what is the history of the stock market when we get these geopolitical events? That's the next topic that I want to address after this commercial break. Stay with us. No, I'm not learning that song. That sounds a little tougher for me. Plus, I'm only sticking with the acoustic guitar right now. Welcome back. It is 8.50 in St. Louis. Dave Simons, wannabe rock star by night. Uh, certified financial planner, money manager during the day. And occasionally at night, I get to also do this very thing, which for a St. Louis kid growing up listening to Camo X and sports open line, driving downtown to Bush Stadium with my dad, Bob Burns and Bob Bragg and all that, I pinch myself that I'm sitting here actually on Camo X radio. It's the craziest thing, but here I am. Um, all right, so we have no idea ultimately what the stock market is going to do. We don't. And that's true at any time. Even when we don't have geopolitical events blowing up around the world. We don't. Nobody knows for sure. People make a lot of money predicting markets and they're wrong much or most of the time. It's meaningless, ultimately. But one thing that we can get a good handle on using history as our guide and our long-term experience is when markets sell off like they have, and like they especially did early today. And there has not been real panic selling until this morning. When you've been around the block a few times, you know that that's typically the sign of maybe the market starting to bottom and maybe a good time to start adding to positions. That's not a prediction that this correction and bear market for the NASDAQ is completely over. But I will say, without World War III starting... Again, the odds are low, but not zero. Without World War III starting, we think the majority of the correction is probably behind us. And I say that based on some historical events when we go all the way back, even before Pearl Harbor, a little bit before it, with the fall of France in uh, May and June of 1940. During that period, the U.S. stock market fell 18%. Not too far off what we've seen year to date. The S&P down, as I mentioned earlier, down about 14. One month after the fall of France, the U.S. stock market, one month later, 
had rebounded and was up 3%. A year later, it was up 5.2. So modest return. But again, sell the rumor by the news. In the events leading up to France falling, that was the worry. And then during that time, the market was very volatile. It came down 18%. But then right after it, 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 it was over and it ended, the market correction was done. It was over. So I went back and looked at 17 geopolitical military events since the fall of France. So we're going back 80-some years. 17 events. Gulf War, Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, 9-11. Not all military, by the way. I'm just looking at this. I included the collapse of Lehman Brothers in September, in the fall of 2008. So that was a huge event. I just wanted to include that in it. Of the 17, uh, I wanted, I'm just going to quote the 10 that saw a correction of at least 10% because that's what we've seen year to date. I want to sort of compare apples to apples, even though the events ultimately are different. Of those 10, where we saw a better than 10% uh, correction, believe it or not, nine of the 10, the market was higher a month later. Once the event was over, it didn't keep falling to say, oh, this is terrible. There's going to be a fallout. There's going to be a domino effect. Now this is going to happen. Now that's no. Once the worry of an event that we saw was happening occurred, sell the rumor, buy the news. So let me give you another example. Uh, The outbreak of the Korean War. During June and July of 1950, the market fell 11%. A month later, the market was up 9.5. The only time the market was down a month later, was Nixon resigning. And I including most of uh, August because the rumor was out there, Nixon's going to resign, he's going to resign, and then he did. Market fell 13.4%. That was huge, especially back then. A month later, the market was down another 6.8. But a year later, it was up 30. And that's what, in my few seconds remaining, of those 10 events where the market corrected at least 10% or more, nine of the 10 a year later, the market was higher and double digits higher. The only exception was 9-11. So during September of 2001, the S&P was off 11.6%. A month later, now this is interesting. A month later in late October, the S&P had rebounded big time, down 11.3. The reason why it then started to go back down is we went into a recession. We are already weakening because the internet bubble had burst by then, by the time 9-11 came around. That set the course for the uh, economic shocks that eventually produced a recession. And then we kept going down. So a year, so a month after 9-11, the market was up 11.3, but a year later it was down 11. The bottom line, my friends, is these, these horrible events, when you're in the middle of them, you become very myopic and that you start to extrapolate current events out into the foreseeable future. And you think that that trend that you're in now is just going to continue forever. Oh, this is terrible. This is horrible. And your brain starts to think of all these negative things when history tells us, no, they do end. And markets rebound, and usually very quickly. And I have no reason to believe that the same similar pattern will not play out this time. All right, thanks for joining us. I'll be back for the second hour. And I already kind of uh, gave you some hints of what we'll uh, be listening to and talking about then. So stay with us. We'll be back momentarily. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.